Good morning, everybody. How are you? Good, good. Welcome to Highlight Church. We're so excited you're here. Uh, we pray that your week has been blessed. And uh, we're uh, going to dive in, into week two of Summer Bliss. We're taking a journey through the, the letter, uh, the book of Philippians. It was a letter. And uh, we're going to start here at verse 12 today. Philippians chapter 1, verse 12. I will reveal my, uh, the, the title of my sermon here um, in a few minutes. But here it is. And this is Paul writing to the church in Philippi. He says, I want you to know, my dear brothers and sisters, that everything that has happened to me here has helped to spread the good news. Paul is currently in prison um, for spreading the good news about Jesus Christ. But he says, everything that has happened to me has helped to spread the good news, even though I'm in prison. He says, verse 13, for everyone here, including the whole palace guard, knows that I am in chains because of Christ. He says this here, and because of my imprisonment, most of the believers here have gained confidence and boldly speak God's message without fear. It's true that some are preaching out of jealousy and rivalry. But others preach about Christ with pure motives. They preach because they love me, for they know I have been appointed to defend the good news. Those others do not have pure motives. As they preach about Christ, they preach with selfish ambition, not sincerely intending to make my chains more painful to me. But that doesn't matter. Whether their motives are false or genuine, the message about Christ is being preached Either way, so I rejoice. So I rejoice. Paul is a boss. He's a boss. Philippi is located in modern-day Kavala, Greece, um, about west, west of Turkey. Paul is writing this letter to the church in Philippi uh, 10 years after he started that church. And uh, he's writing this letter to them to let them know how he's doing. Uh, one great thing about uh, the book of Philippians is that this letter is Paul's joyous letter. It's his most joyful letter, even though he's in a prison. Uh, the church in Philippi held a special position in Paul's heart. Uh, they partnered with him in friendship and also financial support. So this is a man who used to kill and persecute and arrest Christians um, he was a lawyer of, of Jewish law, Mosaic law. The first five books of your Bible is called the Torah. Over 612 laws in there that Moses gave to the children of Israel as they were heading out of Egypt. Moses was setting Israel apart as a nation to one day bring Jesus into the world. And so Paul, being a Jewish man and very well versed in the things of the law, um, he persecuted Christ. Because Christ fulfilled the law, Christ came on the scene teaching grace. He said, believe in me and, and trust in me. The kingdom of God is near. Repent. Turn from your sins. I'm the one that you should follow. And so when Christ died and resurrected and went to heaven, all of this is historical fact. Christ is sitting on the right hand of God as we meet in here this morning. And it's a glorious thing because when we pass, that's where we're going to be in the presence of our Father. And so um, he meet Christ reveals himself to Paul. One day, Paul, you can read this in the book of Acts, chapter 9 or 10, if you want to reference it. 
Paul is on his way to Damascus to arrest more Christians and to kill them. And so Jesus appears in a light as Paul is riding on his high horse. The word Paul means to question or prideful. The word Saul means small and humble. I mean, the word, his name was Saul, and it means to question, and it means prideful. When he met Jesus, Jesus changed his name from Saul to Paul, and that means small and humble. And so he knocks him off of his horse, and after about three days of being blind and saying, Lord, who, who are you, Lord, who are you? Jesus asked Saul, he says, why are you persecuting me? Why are you killing the church? When you kill the church, you kill me. You persecute me. And so Paul believes in Christ. He takes three years. He disappears. He studies scripture. He, 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 he consecrates and he prays. And when he comes back on the scene, he's on fire for Jesus, spreading the good news about who Christ is. And this is a man that when he came to the church of Philippi, he had been on 20 years of missionary work throughout the Roman Empire, all across Europe. No church had given to his personal ministry. He worked and he shared the good news about Jesus. Philippi, they received Christ and they said, we know you have to go. And even though we can't be there physically, we're going to send our resource with you. Because, Because of you, we're now heading to heaven. Because of you, our families have been changed. Because of you, I no longer struggle with alcohol. Because of you, I know who I am. Because of you, I have a purpose. Because of you, I have a destiny. Because of you, I have a church home. So we're going we're gonna to invest financially into your ministry. And Paul is writing to them this letter of joy because there is a context of relationship here. Why was Paul in prison? Well, we, we, we just said it for sharing the good news all over the world. But more specifically, he went back to Jerusalem about 27 years into his missionary work. He took a Gentile friend to the, they, they, they accused him of taking a Gentile, a non-Jewish friend to the temple. And many Jews threw, a, threw an uproar, they beat him, and the Roman guard arrested him. And now he's here in prison on trial for telling people about Jesus Christ. And he's saying in this letter, some people are preaching out of pure motives. Some, some care about people, others don't. There were Gentile Christians at the time when Paul was, you don't have to pull up the verse, thank you. At the time when Paul was writing it, uh, preaching out of pure motive, seeking the health and salvation and prosperity of fellow Gentiles. Then there were the Jewish Christians who found themselves in competition with Paul. They didn't like all this grace, grace stuff. So they said, we will believe in Jesus, but you still should follow the law of Moses. I want to encourage you, anytime that you hear someone tell you it's Jesus and you have now stepped into legalism. There's only one way. There's only one requirement for salvation. That's accepting, receiving the love, the grace, and the forgiveness of Jesus Christ. You don't have to dress a certain way. You don't have to look a certain way. You, you can just show up and say, God, here I am. I'm broken. I'm a sinner. I'm struggling. But I know you died for me. You were perfect. And, and here I am. Come into my heart. Have my life. That's only one requirement. And that was Jesus. So these Jewish Christians, they loved the fact that Paul was locked up. Yeah, I, I told you. I told you his ministry was, it wasn't legit. I told you he was a fraud. Look at him. The reason he's locked up is because God's judging him. And so now they're, they're teaching their own doctrine. Some are doing it for money. 
Some are doing it for popularity and status. And many devalue his ministry and attempted to undermine Paul's calling and authority. And, uh, you know, it's not easy trusting God. It's not easy doing right. Going after your calling. It's It's not easy saying, Jesus, I want to be sexually pure. It's not easy. It's hard. It's not easy budgeting. That's tough. It's not easy praying. 13 seconds in, you're thinking about what you need at the grocery store. You're falling asleep when you're praying. It's not easy. And Paul's greatest temptation right now is to become bitter about where he was. Sometimes your greatest temptation is bitterness. It's not sin. Sometimes it's anger. God, where are you? What's going on? His greatest temptation right now is to become bitter about what's happened in his past and his present. Versus focusing on how God can use him where he is. His greatest temptation is to become bitter. Bitter, 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 bitter. Not, right, not quite yet, but you'll get my cue in a minute, team. Is to become bitter. Bitter. Like lemons, right? Lemons. It's a bitter. Anyone, anyone a, a water and lemon person when you go to a restaurant? Uh, about 50% of the crowd. Anyone doesn't, you don't care, you don't need the lemon? Okay, about, anyone takes your own water to, to restaurants when you go out? <laughs> My good friend Chow Tran does. He's not here, so I can talk about him. He's a conspiracy theorist. No, I'm <laughs> I just believe all water's contaminated by Satan. No, it's not. I'm just, I'm messing. Bitter, much like lemons. Some cool things about lemons. I was doing some research on lemons. Um, in 5th century B.C., lemon juice was used as invisible ink. And so whatever the form of paper was in that day, I, I think it was papyri, may have been something else, you could, you could take lemon juice and, and put it on the tip of, of a whatever they called it, a pen back then, and you could write in lemon juice. And so if you were a spy and you came to, to an enemy nation, you could send a letter back in the form of a blank piece of paper back to your home nation. They would get the letter from you, open it, put it over a candle, and the letters would reveal itself. And so that, that's super cool. Uh, lemons, many chefs say that a lemon is only second to salt, salt as a flavor enhancer. Anyone put lemons on their food? I'm sure you do. Any chefs in the building? Nice, nice. Sometimes, cool, cool. Always put lemon in everything. One cool thing about lemons is um, if, you, if you know anything about Napoleon, 18th century uh, French emperor who was on a mission to take over the world, just, he was possessed by something. Uh, finally, they, they met the British Army. I want to read you an article here about lemons. Credited with establishing the lemons' anti-scorbutic effect is British Dr. James Lind, who as a 31-year-old Royal Navy ship surgeon, he conducted arguably the world's first clinical trial. He chose 12 sailors with advanced symptoms of the disease of scurvy, because uh, they had scurvy disease, which is a deficiency in vitamin C. He divided them into six groups and fed all of them the same diet, 
heavy and mutton broth. Two, however, received a quart of cider a day. Two got supplementary doses of vinegar. Two, two were given three times daily 25 drops of elixir of vitriol. That's sulfuric acid. Two got a daily pint of seawater. Two got a nutmeg-sized lump of spicy paste made from cream of tartar, horseradish, mustard seed, garlic, and balsam of Peru. And the final two got a daily ration of two oranges and a lemon. The citrus-fed sellers recovered rapidly and were back on duty in six days. Lynn wrote in the account of his discovery in the Treaties of Scurvy, published in 1753, it made a little headway with the Navy, but they ignored him, the British Navy. Finally, in 1795, when Napoleon was ramping it up and Britain was like the world's last hope, In 1795, after persistent lobbying by naval physicians Gilbert Blaine and Thomas Trowder, daily rations of lemon juice and later cheaper lime juice were made compulsory for British sailors. Between 1795 and 1814, 1.6 gallons of lemon juice were issued to Royal Navy ships. In the same period, cases of scurvy on those Navy ships in the hospitals fell from 1,500 to 2. To two. The eradication of scurvy made it possible for British sailors and soldiers to maintain the coastal blockade that was essential for defeating Napoleon, wrote one relieved naval surgeon after the vanquished emperor had been banished to St. Helena. It is the opinion of some, um, some of the most uh, experienced officers that the blockading system of warfare which annihilated the naval powers of France, could have never been carried on unless sea scurvy had been subdued by lemon. It's a bitter situation. But my, how powerful a bitter situation can be. Hey, Kyra, come on up and help me with something, sweetie. All right, uh, come on now. Let's give it up for Pastor Kai. We love our pastor. She's your pastor, pastor, so she's your lead pastor. Yeah, watch your step. I'm going to have Kyra uh, help me with something here. Lemons, man. Lemons, just, just bitter. All right, babe, let's do this. Yeah, come on. One, two, three. Beautiful. All right. All right, you go ahead and cut this stuff up. And so, lemons have a pH of, what, two, three, very acidic. I was doing some research, and they said lemons were so rare uh, in first century A.D., around the time of Christ, that kings would actually take lemons and gift them to each other. And they come off of the coast of Asia. Also, um... Casanova, <laughs> he used um, a lemon mixture um, to give, because he had many different affairs, uh, to give the women. And um, out of the thousands of affairs that Casanova had, he, uh, he only got two pregnancies. Uh, lemon is very powerful, um, and the acid that it, it has. So Kyra is making something. What you making, babe? Don't, don't reveal it. Oh, I'm 
just squeezing lemons, right? So Kyra is squeezing some lemons for us. And um, you need some help? No. You good? I got it. You got it. Do you have everything you need? Yep. Okay. That's good. Good. So, yeah, I mean, just imagine this. Paul, free man, he's in chains. Um, maybe, maybe you're currently in a situation right now where your money's not looking too well and um, you want to be in a, in, a, in a place, but you're not there. Um, maybe you've had a tough just argument or conversation or discussion with someone you love a lot and that relationship has been sort of damaged and tar- tarnished. Um, Paul, Paul was doing what he loved to do. And while doing what he loved to do, he ends up in prison in a bitter situation. It's funny, I was tempted to be bitter this week. We, were, uh, we went to Chick-fil-A, and I, had, I just had a, mope, I had a lot of, anyone had a lot of mopey moments this week? Just mopey moments? Don't put on your religious face. Come on, we can be real. Just, ah, 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 just mo, ah. So, so when, whenever we're arguing, like, and she gets loud with me, and I'm like, ah, you just, ah, you just mo, ah. And then we laugh it off, and we sweep it under the rug, and nothing ever gets resolved. Um, so we were, I'm so winging this right now. So we were, um, we were on the way from Chick-fil-A, and she was driving. Our cup holders were already full. And I have, I have the kids' meal, the, the uh, Powerades in my lap, and, and just everything. And Judah has just spilled all of his fries on the floor. And I'm already irritated. I'm like, Lord, why did you give me these children? They are possessed by some kind of entity. I don't know. It's not the Holy Spirit. It's something else. And so then one of Judah's Powerades spills on my, on my leg. And I'm like, whoo, Lord. And so, like, like last week when God told me to pray because I was going to preach it, like, God has really been on me later about practicing what I preach. And so, um, and, and so you know, he just said, hey, you need to, there's always something to rejoice about. That's point three. We're going to get to it. And so I said, you know what? At least we have Chick-fil-A. At least we have a car. At least we have kids. At least we have so-and-so. I said, you know what, baby, there's going to be a day where we're going to miss our kids throwing fries on the floor in our car. And she smiled and she said, yeah, Uh, no, (laughs) no. I said, you know what, you're right. And we just, it was, it was amazing. Wow, look at the progress here. I wouldn't add too much of that. You know why? Because, um. Let me get two of those water bottles, please, because um, I totally didn't do what I was supposed to do. But, hey, Annie, come on up here, please. Let's give it up for Annie. She's our superheroes coordinator. Oh, you got the big one? Okay. Oh, use that then. That's fine. You got ice? No ice. It's all good. Annie's going to do what she's supposed to do anyway. Put some water in it, baby. Yeah. No, no, in the, in the main picture. Yeah. Oh, you did. Jesus, she did her job. Never mind. All right, give, let's hear. Annie, 
Let us know how this tastes. Oh, gosh. Can I taste it first? Kyra, go ahead. Okay, taste that. Taste Put down. All right. It's, it's still bitter. We need some water. You know, water in, in the scripture represents the Holy Spirit. I know, Lance. I'm coming. How's that? Oh, you're confident. How's it? It's good. Let's give it up, y'all. You want to keep it? It's that good. Thanks, Annie. Hey, let's give it up for Annie and Kyra one more time. Thank you so much. No, I mean, let me sip some of that, babe. No, no, no. I don't, I don't want to keep it. It's sour. Mm. That's delicious. Thank you. Thank you. This is the title of my message. That by the grace of God, By the presence of God, the power of God, the love of God, the spirit of God. That whenever life hands you lemons, you can make lemonade. As the old adage goes, when life gives you lemons, you make lemonade. And this is what the great apostle Paul is choosing to do while in prison. He's turning this otherwise bitter situation into a very sweet situation through the presence of God. And what I want to do is I want to give you three points of encouragement as to how, when life gives you lemons, how to make lemonade. You ready? Three points from what the Apostle Paul has taught us. Number one, let's understand this. Bad situations make great opportunities. Bad situations make great opportunities. I love it because we just read here how the good news spread as a result of Paul's imprisonment. What is the good news? Well, in order for there to be good news, there must be bad news. The bad news is that we all are sinners and we've all missed the mark of the glorious standard of God. The good news is that Jesus Christ hit that mark for us. And not every bad situation has a bad outcome. Not every bad situation has a bad outcome. The situation you're currently in, it doesn't have to turn out bad. You don't have to remain bitter, angry, doubtful. God had given Paul influence that changed the lives of, of many soldiers. More specifically, if you see, you see it in the text where he said the whole palace guard. This is the Praetorian Guard that Paul had access to. These are 10,000 of the most highly selected soldiers in all of Rome, specially trained, to the point where they received double pay. And even Caesar had to court their favor. And so, and if you would read the book of Acts, you'll see the entire time where Jesus is telling Paul, as you go to Rome, you're going to be persecuted. You're going to be locked up. The, 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 the key's going to be thrown away. Can I just tell you this? As you follow God, you're going to be hurt. You're going to be locked up. You, you're going to be chained. You're going to be left alone. It's, it's all going to happen. 
But what it gave, it gave Paul this opportunity as he was con- connected to these soldiers. He said, well, uh, well, you know, I'm connected to these soldiers and I'm chained. I should have got chains from Home Depot or Lowe's. And he just said, well, I can't go by boat or by foot or by horse. I'm going to share the gospel with you. You got to see the movie, Paul, the Apostle of Christ. It's, it's power. I'm going to share about who Jesus is with you. I almost, my second point today was almost God given. It was almost going to be entitled, but it's not God given. Your God given influence is unstoppable. I love it. I see it now. Me and my wife, we just joined Lifetime Gym. And the influence he's given us in that gym, Jesus Christ. So many broken people. Like so many hurt people. They look good on the outside, but they hurting. And like in a matter of eight days, just like 10 people are like, what's different about you? Well, what's different is, number one, I have Jesus. Number two, I have the joy of the Lord. Go back to first week's podcast. I am whole. When you have Jesus, there's nothing in you that you lack. You have everything you need in Jesus. He's working out peace. He's working joy. He's working faith. He's working kindness and gentleness and expectation. You have everything you need in Jesus Christ. And so Paul took this opportunity to preach to those who have been worshiping multiple gods. And as a result of it, they started to believe in Jesus. Their lives were changed, and they started to share about who Jesus was. Because it was always Jesus' intent for Paul to get to, to Caesar. So, God, I want to get there. I got a big dream. I got a big vision, and I want to do this. Well, this is the cause to that dream and that vision that I've put on your heart. It's bitter situations. But what you have to keep at the center of that is, as you're going for your dreams, are they for you or are they for Jesus? Are they for you or are they for for, for other people having the chance to get to heaven? And so Genesis 50 verse 20 says this. This is Joseph. We're going to do his life soon. Uh, Next year it's going to be a series called The Process. Joseph said this, you intended to harm me, but God did it all for good. You intended to harm me, but God intended it all for good. He brought me to this position so I could save the lives of many people. The reason you go through bad things and I go through bad things is not for us. It's for others. And and if you profess the name of Jesus in here, it's so that others would know your testimony. It's so that your mess would become a message and you would be able to tell them it was through the power of Jesus Christ that I was able to find victory in this area of my life. The reason why a lot of us have not discovered purpose is because we don't keep the purpose giver at the center of our day-to-day affairs. (laughs) 
We got to get bold about this gospel. We got to stop hiding it in a gymnasium on a Sunday for an hour and a half. Well, well, I'm a baby Christian. That's, that's great. When I was a baby Christian, the first thing I did was slap my Bible everywhere I go. People out here dying, and they're looking for hope. So it said, you intended it for my evil, but God intended it for my good, for it was the saving of many lives. Whatever bad situation you're going through, you don't survive. God is going to bring you through that, but he's going to bring you through that so you can share the good news about who Jesus is in your life. Romans eight twenty eight says this, and we know that God causes everything to work together for the good of those who love God and are called according to his purpose for them. God. Everything. Every, the, the, the uncle that, 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 that touched the little girl, the, the molestation, the rape, the, the, the divorce, the the, the drug addiction, the alcohol, the, 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 my dad wasn't there, my mom wasn't there, the, the, the brokenness, the welfare, the, my bank account's in the red, the, the sickness, the cancer, the, 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 the flu, the, 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 he causes it all eventually. You got, you got to trust this. You got to have hope in this. He causes it all to work together for the good. And so bad situations make great opportunities. Why? Because you grow. If you were... Depending on the condition of your heart, when, when a situation gets bad, depending on the condition of your heart, when a situation gets bad, you can either grow or you can decline. You can either become wiser or you can become dumber. You can become stronger or you can get weaker. You can dream the same old dream that's not working, or you can dream a new dream, and God can bless it, and God can move as you continue to step forward in faith. Bad situations make great opportunities. Great opportunities. Number two, how do I turn lemons into lemonade? You run your race. You run. Paul said, I... I really don't care about their motives. As long as Jesus is being preached, I'm going to talk to the guy that I'm chained to at night. So during the day, he had visitors. So that's part of the movie when you see it, Luke would come and visit him and write. And that's where you got the book of Luke and you get, you get the Acts of the Apostles, which is really Paul's life when you read it. Luke wrote that book because Luke would visit Paul and journey with Paul. During the day, he's free to have visitors, but at night he's chained and he's sharing the gospel. Uh, recently, no, I wouldn't say recently, about six months ago, I, um, I stopped following a lot of pastors on Instagram that I look up to. Just a little moment of transparency here. Um, and, you know, we are, we're all in a process, right? So at a certain point, like when you first start following these guys, it's like, yeah, man, you're doing great things. And man, God, God's blessing your church. And People are showing up on Father's Day. Seats are filled. And, uh, yeah. Um, sorry. <clears throat> sorry. And so I unfollowed them because I, be, I had become discouraged and distracted because of their impact. As opposed to saying, as long as Christ is preached. 
I, I can't. I'm not in Missouri. I'm not in Florida. I'm not in Kansas. As long as Christ is preached. I become discouraged and dis- distracted by their impact because I was comparing my life to where their life was. Man, look, look at that. That's, that's a nice looking family. Wish my husband would love me that way. Wish my wife had her, her platform. Wow, we're almost two years old. Wish we had a thousand people. You know, I got distracted. Not, not realizing that <laughs> the reason they're two years old and they got a thousand people is because they're four generation pastors. And when they launched their church, they had a million dollars to launch it. You know what I'm saying? You, you compare yourself, but you don't know context. You don't know who set them up for the success, or you don't know what they went through to get where they got. Oh, Lord, why didn't you call us to a bigger city? Jesus, you called us to a burg. (laughs) Gaithersburg. Why you didn't call us to D.C. or New York or keep us in Orlando? Jesus, the church would be huge right now. Like, we, we had connections in Orlando. You called us to a burg. Burgs haven't been big since the days of George Washington and Thomas Jefferson. Lynchburg, Gettysburg, Williamsburg, Gaithersburg. You called us to a burg. All right, we are, Andy. I had to, I had to take my eyes off. And then when you think about it, though, like God is so strategic. Don't get bored on me. And I, I pray that you commit your life here in Gaithersburg. Stick with Highlight Church for the next 20 years. It'll bless your life. I know that's bold to say. I'm going to say it because I don't care anymore. That's how we move here, so I don't care what you think. Stick here. Stay here. Don't move. If you can, when you, when you move, come on back. We're going to be here. But anyway, this is the deal. Gaithersburg is the most ethnically diverse city in America, which tells me that this city, a burg, is America's future. The, the stats show that by 2040, the way it is in Gaithersburg is going to be all over America. All right, God, let me run my race. No, number two, Gaithersburg is the fourth fastest growing city in America. Number three, Maryland is the richest state in the nation. You sure you want to be in Florida? When the resource is here? And God's like, I'm, I'm trying to use you to get my spirit into a place that's so used to religion and legalism and people that don't know me. I'm trying to send you to where the future is going. And I need you to run your race. So now I, I don't want, you should not want what other people have. 
You should not want to be where other people are. You should not want your husband to be like someone else's husband or your boyfriend to be. You should want what God has for you. Run your race. Remind yourself that God has me on a race. He has me in my lane. Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, Friday. There are blessings for you. There's a calling on you. There's a purpose on you. There's a dream in you. There's so much that God has for you. And I'm a fan of new. So if it's already happening over there, why would I want to be there? I want, what's the new thing going on? I want to be in on it early. You got to stay that, that, so like literally, man, like I, I I unfollowed every pastor that I didn't know personally. Now, now I'm at peace with my process. You got to unfollow these, these famous people that you don't know personally. Oh, them Louis Batons, that's, that's, that's Louis, Louis V, that's Gucci. Oh, man, they went to L.A. I wish I could vacation there. Well, guess what? You don't got the money to vacation there. Take your butt to a pool, put on your bathing suit, and tan. Take your butt to Ocean City. But why? Why am I saying this? I know it's funny. It's because it, it keeps... It keeps you bitter. It keeps you bitter. And and, and so we can learn from the great apostle. Whatever. God's hand is on your life. Jeremiah 1.5, the message. You can come up and start playing. Jeremiah 1.5, the message. Before I shaped you in the womb, I knew all about you. Before you saw the light of day, I had holy plans for you, for you, a prophet to the nations. That's what I had in mind for you. It it is dishonoring to God to want to be where someone else is. (laughs) I have plans for you. I love you. I've called you. I died for you. I set you free. And he says this in Psalm 1611. You will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. You will show me my lane. When you give your heart to Jesus, he shows you your lane. Point number three. How can I turn lemons into lemonade? There is always something to rejoice about. Always something to rejoice about. And Paul said, whether false or genuine, the message about Christ is still being preached. Therefore, I rejoice in context of a situation. There is always something to always always means at all times on all occasions every day every second god god can turn your moping moments into moments of praise if if you just let them you can rejoice about healthy relationships in your life the people that love you your support system those that challenge you and push you to do your best you can rejoice about your own health let's do an exercise breathe in Breathe out. 
Stand up. Sit down. Close your eyes. Open them. There are three blessings in the matter of 10 seconds. There's always something to rejoice about. You can rejoice about your church, a faith-filled community. We, you know, we have to stop coming in here on Sundays like this. When God has positioned people to help us. The word of God is being preached to you for 45 minutes, nonstop, uninterrupted. That's 45 minutes of an opportunity for your life to be changed forever. Your kids are being loved on. We have an outreach platform that spans throughout the county of Maryland. That gives you an opportunity to serve in this city, in this community. There's an opportunity to serve within. I can be grateful that I'm not just reading my Bible or listening to a preacher, but I can apply my faith and there's a system. I'm grateful for that on Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday. I can't wait to show up to church and serve Jesus Christ and change lives. You can always be, here's an easy one. You can be grateful for Jesus. Your Savior. Your Savior, the one who died on a cross for you and washed your sins away. The one who wakes you up every morning and breathes breath into your lungs. The one who gives you the strength to stand up, to go to and fro. The one who gives you the strength. Moses said it is God who gives you the strength to gain wealth. Jesus, the one who gives you the strength to get up and go to work always a reason to rejoice. You can rejoice over personal growth. I'm not where I used to be. I'm not who I used to be. You're not where you used to be, and you're not who you used to be. Habakkuk 3, 17 through 19 says this, the message. Though the cherry trees don't blossom and the strawberries don't ripen, Though the apples are warm eaten and the wheat fields stunted, though the sheep pens are sheepless and the cattle barns empty, I'm singing joyful praise to God. I'm turning cartwheels of joy to my Savior, God. And I'm counting on God's rule to prevail. I take heart and gain strength. I run like a deer. I feel like I'm a king of the mountain. There's always something to rejoice about. And whenever you rejoice, it becomes a source of strength in your soul. Whenever you, Lord Jesus, thank you. Jesus, I give you praise. Lord, thank you for salvation. Thank you for a new day. Thank you for a new hope. Thank you that I am free. Thank you that I am moving forward. Thank you, Jesus, that I am changing lives. Thank you, Lord, that there's a purpose on the inside. Thank you, Jesus, for Monday. Thank you for Tuesday. Thank you for Wednesday. Thank you for Thursday. Thank you for Friday. Thank you for Saturday. Lord Jesus, thank you, Lord. And it becomes a source of strength to the soul. 
If I can educate you for just a moment, because we're out of here. When Satan was in heaven, he was the minister of music. He led praise and worship. So if I if I if if I'm Satan, it's my goal to keep a lemon in your mouth. To to keep praise from flowing out. Because if I can keep praise from flowing out, I can keep strength from flowing out. But when you say no 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 no. I'm going to rejoice. I'm going to give praise. I'm going to be grateful. With every head bowed, Jesus loves you. If you've never made Jesus your Lord and Savior, I want to give you this opportunity today. Today is your day. Today is your day to receive forgiveness and salvation, to make heaven your home. God loves you, and he has such great plans for your life. So on the count of three, just going to have you raise your hand and raise it high. We're going to pray with you as a church. We're going to celebrate you. Today can be a day of new beginnings, a new joy. If you've never given your heart to Jesus, if you've never received salvation, on the count of three, you just raise that hand. One, two, three. Shoot it up high. Shoot it up high. Praise God. God bless you. Or maybe you're coming back to Christ today. You can drop that hand. God bless you. God bless you. Hey, church, let's pray. Repeat after me. Father God, we love you. We give you all the praise. Forgive me for my sin. I believe that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. Fill me with your spirit. Give me a purpose. Give me a destiny. In Jesus' name, amen.